want to bring out here. We're studying through the book of Romans. One of the most amazing books in your Bible, a New Testament book uh, that describes some of the greatest truths. And some of, those, some of those truths are all popular. They're not all positive. I mean, there's the truth that you are a sinner separated from God. And you say, well, I don't do that very, I don't do much wrong. Well, you ought to read Romans 1 and you'll find the, the, the Lord has your number and knows exactly what we're made of. And we're made of flesh. We're made of, of sinful flesh that just, just is, is, um, uh, uh, is full of pride and full of self-righteousness. And when, when, when you start to look through the book of Romans, you start seeing yourself in there. You get very ashamed right off the bat. One of the truth is you're, you're not good enough for heaven. Now, thankfully, that's not the only chapter. You keep reading in there, and we find out there's something greater than our sin. It's called God's grace. His grace is amazing. It's infinite. And that grace is a kindness to sinners. That, um, uh, that if you just believe on his son, believe on Jesus Christ, you get all the benefits of, of forgiveness as if you never sinned. God's able to justify you and make you right. And it's just like Abraham. Abraham didn't do any great work. Abraham just believed God, and God said, you're in. And if you want to get through life sane, and if you want to get through life where at the end you're not in terror of going to hell, you need to believe God like Abraham did just by faith. Just trust what he said and trust his son, the Lamb of God. So we come to chapter 8 in Romans now, and we learn, we've learned some amazing things. One of the most amazing things is that there is no condemnation or damnation to the believer anymore. You cannot lose your salvation. God will not condemn you. Your body may come under trouble. Uh, you may die early, but you're going home because you're his child. I mean, if you can come in and out of being saved, what type of a yo-yo relationship do you have? It's not based on my works or your works or somebody's prayer life or anything. It's based on Jesus Christ. So there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We also have learned that we are free from the dominance of sin. If you haven't figured out that sin doesn't run your life anymore. Actually, I wasn't doing this because I, it doesn't have my picture so I, and, and some of this stuff. Oh, you put the new one on. You don't know what's happening. Am I doing it? Anyway, all right. Somebody's taking over. I don't care. I'm not in control. <laughs> Whatever. We also have all the help we ever need. As a, as a Christian, you, you, you know, we talk about self-help. We talk, you know, sometimes you need a counselor. Sometimes you need to talk to somebody. But as a Christian, I have all the help I need. God is a very present help in my life now. And I have the Holy Spirit of God in me. I don't have to go somewhere to get the Holy Spirit. He's already with me. One day, one of the things we're going to learn about in a few weeks, we're going to learn this messed up old sinful body is going to be made brand new. How many of you like to get a new body? I mean, honestly, honestly, I wouldn't want to be stuck in this old one forever. Uh, but uh, Paul calls it the, the glorious manifestation of the sons of God. It'll be glorious. I mean, Jesus Christ at, at the resurrection... He was able to walk through closed doors. He's able to go up and come back down. I mean, it's going to be glorious when we get our new body. Uh, we're predestined, hallelujah, to be like Jesus Christ. Uh, if you want to know what you're predestined to do, you're predestined to go to hell. Everybody's predestined to go to hell. I changed uh, uh, destinies, destinations, when I trusted Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be just like him one day. I just, I just, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Uh, one of the things we're going to, uh, Romans chapter 8 teaches us, we're more than conquerors. You're no longer a loser. I don't care how much you struggle with sin, how much you struggle with your past. I don't care how much you fail in the Christian life. You are not a loser if you're saved. You are a victor. You are a more than a conqueror. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit in your life. So <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let me just lay down a little bit. Uh, of the simplicity here, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, we're not physical anymore. I'm following something that is spiritual. Uh, I, I know that we're a mixed bag of physical and chemicals and emotions and all this stuff. But now that I'm born again, there's something added to my life. It's a new spirit, a resurrected spirit. I am spiritual. When, when a person gets saved, something comes alive in them when you understand your sinfulness and you cry out to God to save you. Just something comes alive. 
you feel the moment before you're saved, you feel absolutely defeated. You, you, you look to God and you realize I'm lost. I have no hope. I am headed for hell. And the moment you cry out, it says, but Jesus, please save me. You move from darkness into light. And you were only flesh and blood and you were damned and you were in trouble with God. And you're spiritual now. You've been moved into a spiritual state. Uh, you become you, you, you become a temple. Now, I like church. I love coming to church. I love hearing the singing. I love being around God's people. But I don't need you to worship. You understand what I'm saying? When I'm walking or I'm in the car or I'm doing the dishes or whatever, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's worship going on inside of me. Amen. I talk to him. He talks to me. We have a great time. We're spiritual people. Uh, don't ever think that somebody needs to give you the Holy Spirit. The moment you got saved, you got him. Okay. He's a gift given at the moment of salvation. He may not have all of you. And you may not be full of him, but you have him. And the key is, is I'm going to start to really hammer in on is to yield to him, to thirst for him, to follow him. Um, uh, we actually live now in a spiritual way. Can I say it this way? A Christ follower follows Christ. Okay. Instead of our old lusts anymore. Instead of our old, look at what that verse says. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I mean, I, I'm glad you're in church today, but church doesn't make you a Christian. In Christ makes you a Christian. Get in him. Who walk not after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. I don't follow my old lusts anymore, my old uh, life anymore. Um, let, me, let me help you here for a minute. When the Bible refers to following after your flesh, it's describing choosing to do something I already want to do. When I follow my flesh, when I'm after the flesh, when I go after the flesh, I'm doing what I want to do. And I probably am doing what I enjoy doing. I, 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 I'm doing something that I, or I want to do something I find it easy and natural to do. I mean, getting up and going to church on a Sunday when everybody else is used to staying in bed, it's a little hard when you're not used to it. So what my flesh wants is usually what is easier, something natural to do, and it is usually pleasant. You know, one of the ways you know the will of God is it's always harder than the will of me. Is that not true in your life? I mean, what I want to do is not very hard. But when the Holy Spirit asks me to do something that's right, it's usually a little bit harder. But if I'm walking in the Spirit and following something that I mentally know is better, even though physically, emotion, I want something else, when I choose to follow the Holy Spirit, when I choose not to drink or smoke or get angry or be lazy. I'm following the Holy Spirit. Now, willpower can say, well, I can put this down. Well, okay, good. But for every time you choose to put something down in the flesh, you'll pick two or three other things up. You ever notice that? Jesus gave a testimony there. He gave an illustration. He said one, one man was, was struggling with a demon in him. He had demonic influence there. And so he kicked him out. He, by willpower, says, I'm not giving into that demonic spirit in my life anymore. And that devil ran around and got real depressed and went and got seven more of his friends and came back and took over that guy's life and made him seven times worse. So don't think just because you can put down cigarettes that you've gotten rid of sin. No, you'll pick up two, three, four more another day. You need something better than willpower. And that's the Holy Spirit. That is the power we're going to talk about this morning. Instead of using willpower, a Christian uses a spiritual power, a power of the Holy Spirit, yielding to that power. Believe me, he can pick you up like a glove and use you marvelously. You say, I can't do this and I can't do that. I know you can't. And God knows you can't. But he can. I can do all things that he asked me to do through Christ. And when I start to just yield to him, yield to his will, I find out I start doing things I didn't do before. So now here's the thing. The reason why Christianity is different than self-help and counseling and all this stuff, and the reason why it's different is because uh, I know that, that the sin that is tempting me is not powerful anymore. It doesn't, doesn't have a grip on me, not the new me. Let me give you an example. Somebody's experienced trauma, and I, if I had you raise your hand, how many had trauma I mean, when you were a kid? Most every one of us, we went through trauma. Mine was my parents' divorce when I was 12. 
divorce is absolutely, absolutely most one of the tra most traumatic thing you can make a kid go through. It's bad enough for the parents, but that trauma affects that person's life. It kind of binds them in fear and sorrow and grief and even depression as they grow up and they become an, uh, an adult. And for years after the event, there are things that'll trigger all the same feelings again and again and all those memories again. Now, maybe you can experience that. Maybe you can relate to that and say, yeah, there are things that just trigger that feeling, that, that hurt from way back then. And immediately that trigger will bring that person back to their hurt and they're trapped there constantly. They're convinced that that trauma is still alive. And the counselor will say, well, the person who hurt you is gone. The counselor will say that trauma is only a memory. You don't need to fear. But for that person who's hurt, it, it's real. It's absolutely real. So what does Christianity offer? What does Christ and the Holy Spirit offer? I'll tell you what. The realization of the very thing that is remembering, the very person who is triggered is dead now. You have to understand, I, the, the memory doesn't go away. The event doesn't disappear. But the person who is triggered by the event died when they got born again. Amen. If you understand this, that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, you're dead with Christ now. That old me that used to be triggered by alcohol, by, the, um, by some, some person or some event, and that trigger pulled you always back into that sin. That, that trigger shouldn't work on the new me because the old me is dead. Look at your Bible. Go to uh, um, Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Verse, we'll go verse, verse 10. Well, go to verse 9. Whole, we'd have to go through all of Romans chapter 6 again. It's so good. But Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ, being dead, raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. He's alive forevermore. For in that he died, he died unto sin how many times? All right. So he's already defeated sin. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's his, that's all of his attention. He's not living for himself. He's living for the purpose of God. Verse 11. Likewise, because of Christ dying and being buried and rose again and living unto God, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin as well, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the thing. The person that got triggered and gets constantly pulled back under the grip of sin, you need to start to believe he's dead. She died the moment you got saved. Now, what you find in the New Testament is you find, well, boy, that, that sin comes up. And I just got to remember, I got to remember that old Craig that used to give into that sin is dead. I'm alive unto God now. And, and the truth is, I've, this, this new life I've got doesn't get pulled by that anymore. I get pulled by another spirit, don't we? I'm following a different um, uh, uh, nature. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, who walk not after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. Do you understand? The old you that sinned so wickedly against God and against other people, and experience sorrows because of other people's sins is dead and gone. If you're born again, you're not just in a church. You're not just having a set of beliefs and creeds. You, you believed in somebody who died and God took the old you and put him there too and, and, and let him die on that cross and gave you a whole new life. And if you're triggered, it's because you're letting that old man get your attention. He's dead. The only way to worship God is not as the old man. The only way to worship God is in the spirit. John, you're in Romans. Go back to the left. Find John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 24. John 4, 24. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking to a woman, trying to explain worship to her. And he says in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. And not physical like you and me. And they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit, not in your flesh. Your words don't matter to God. Your heart does. You worship him. And, and, and if you've got, if you've not been born again, your spirit's dead. You can't worship God. But the moment you got born again, that's where you live now. 
in the spirit, following the spirit, hungering for spiritual things. You worship him in spirit and in truth. So let me go on. I don't know. Somebody's clicking here. I'm just going to uh, let's clear up some confusion about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And uh, Romans chapter eight, we'll pick up. We are going through Romans uh, chapter eight. We're going to start in verse 12. And he says this, these words. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We are, we are in debt to obey in the Holy Spirit, not to the old life. Um, we naturally live like metal to a magnet, doing what everyone else is doing, following the spirit of this world, doing whatever we've always done before. I'm the nail. And when temptation comes along, that's how my life was. I just did what my friends wanted to do. I just did what, what the world says do. I just believe what the propaganda said. But since the Holy Spirit moved in, I'm attracted to better things. Spiritual things, eternal things, good things. You know what a Christian's attracted to? Prayer. Now, I guarantee you, when I announce when we reschedule the, the prayer meeting, all of you are going to go physically, emotionally. Go back there. You just, you're like, oh, that's so much work. Oh, it takes so much time. But there's somebody inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that loves prayer and loves to talk to God and pulls on you to come on, let's talk to the Father. We're attracted to better things, we're attracted to soul winning. There is somebody inside, unless you've quenched him, unless you've gotten used to constantly shutting up the Holy Spirit, and you can do it. Well, you just don't feel anything for the lost going around you. You do believe in hell still, does anybody? You do still know people, when they die, if they're not born again, Jesus told about a rich man who woke up and opened his eyes in hell. Not in the grave. You don't have eyes in a grave. You don't have a tongue. You don't need water in a grave. He's crying out, have mercy on me. And God says, it's too late. And there's something inside of us that says, I've got to say something. I've got to do something. You're being pulled. Amen. We're attracted to the Bible. We Listen, the spiritual part of you loves this book. The spiritual part of you is, is, is craving to be in the scriptures. If you can go weeks Without reading your Bible, I wonder, your soul's all shriveled up like a raisin. This is nourishment for the believer. And with, if you ever get the, get the, the manliness and, and true femininity that says, I'm shutting off the phone, I'm walking away from the TV, I'm getting out of the house, I'm sitting at the park with my Bible for the next hour, you'll find yourself like, wow, what have I been missing? Because there's something inside of you that yearns for a better thing. Than Netflix. According to the Bible, the new us loves preaching. Not flowery preaching, not fancy words, not eloquent political speeches, but in your face, helpful words, words that point out this is wrong, this is right, this is how to do right. And the spirit inside of us says, yes. And if you come to church, there's a little voice somewhere you're not listening to that says he's right. He's right. Keep following. Right. So uh, there's also one other thing I'll list here. If I there's, there's a better thing that the that that the spiritual part of us craves, and that's serving. That's how you know you're spiritual, is if you're worried about other people. You're worried about how they're doing. You're worried about how can I make them okay? How, what can I do to love other people? That's the new me. The old me says, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> The old flesh says, you're interrupting my schedule. You're, you're a bother. Ah, but the new me says, how can I help? What can I do? We're attracted to better things, and we owe our life before Jesus nothing. We don't owe our lusts, our old nature, and our past anything. Um, let me read the verse 12 again. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the, to the flesh to live to follow after the flesh because it only brought us problems. You ever think of what the Holy Spirit did for you? Long before you ever thought about God, long before you ever understood the Bible or you ever even picked up a Bible, the Holy Spirit was working on you. I guarantee you, most of us, we had somebody give us a gospel track. 
somebody came along, invited us to church. Sometime along there, there was a godly mother or grandmother or somebody in your life that was praying for you and would say something just to put a spiritual thirst in you and you turn away and stuff like that. That was the Holy Spirit trying to put love on you and draw you to Jesus Christ. And he did that from the moment you started breathing. You don't owe the flesh anything. You owe him everything. You know what the Holy Spirit did when you got saved? He put you into Jesus Christ. I don't understand it. I mean, honestly, but Jesus Christ is in me and he put me in him. That is that is eternal security. We're, we're stuck together. Amen. And the Holy Spirit did that. You know what else the Holy Spirit does? He puts up with us. You ought to write these down. He pursued us. He placed us in Christ. He puts up with us. Think about it. If he's inside of me, he sees what I see. He watches what I watch. He hears what I hear. He's right there when I say what I say. Wow. And yet he doesn't kill me. <laughs> Amen. I owe the Holy Spirit everything because he puts up with me. And he's purposed us. So let me say it this way. He's repurposed us. I mean, they're talking about recycling, recycling, recycling. You know, my grandparents were the greatest recyclers ever. And they told everybody, oh, buy this and buy this and throw this away. And throw now they're saying, oh, get back to recycling. You know what God does? He takes messed up, broken, uh, sinful, wicked people and recycles them and makes them new. It makes them live forever. Amen. I mean, you think about the original recycler is Jesus Christ. He repurposes us for something wonderful. So the Apostle Paul over and over will say here in Romans chapter 8, follow the Spirit. Go after the Spirit. Have the mind of the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit over and over. Why? Because I don't owe my flesh anything. If my mind is thinking on, on the things that I used to love, i got to realize, I don't owe it anything. It only brought me death. It only brought me darkness. I don't. It, Paul says it. We owe nothing to our old life. You say, yeah, but the past, my past was so bad. Amen. What about your future? Uh, honestly, uh, how can you compare the two? The past, as bad as it was, and whatever you go through, even right now, whatever you're going through is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in you in the future. The joy and things of the, we have everything to live for. There's nothing to live for back there. Look at verse 13. We are victors. I love verse 13. He says this, for if we live after the flesh, ye shall what? All right, so if I just, if I just want to drink myself under the table every Friday night, you know what I'm going to end up with? I'm going to end up dead with a broken liver, with a messed up liver. I'm going to die a horrible death. If I just keep smoking, keep putting in the nicotine and the tar and all of the stuff, if I just keep going, doing what I've always done and, and, and living that way, if I follow the flesh, it's going to kill me. But I love the last part. It says, but if ye through the spirit, not through a self-help book, but through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ah, that's when you'll live. You'll finally have life. Do you know, as a Christian, you can overcome. You can, come, you can overcome everything that used to bring death. you got to believe this, Christian. We have the power now to absolute, that is absolutely infinite. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Ephesians 1.19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Wow, you ought to understand those words. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies, in the heavenly places. Uh, the, the, this power of the Holy Spirit enabled Jesus Christ to walk on water. Now, I, I'm never going to try to do that. I would drown in an instant. But that's the power he had. The power of the Holy Spirit enabled Jesus Christ to endure beatings and whippings and slander and mockery when he was crucified. That's how he did it. You say, how do I put up with somebody being cruel to me through the Spirit? 
uh, that same power pulled Jesus Christ out of the grave and back to life. That's a lot of power, man. And it's the same power that raised your dead spirit to make it alive forevermore under Jesus Christ. He already resurrected you on the inside. One of these days, he's going to resurrect you on the outside. Amen. The truth is, you now have the freedom to mortify every temptation that comes at you. To actually enjoy defeating what used to defeat you. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to mortify, which means put to death, let's put back on the cross. And I'd like you to start to imagine that that sin that maybe defeated you this past week, that angry burst, that 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 attitude that just keeps coming up, that memory that keeps triggering, triggering depression or whatever. You need to imagine taking that thing and nailing it on the cross that Jesus died for, died on and say, there, <laughs> you're dead. I live here. I don't live there anymore. It's gone. You mortify it. Uh, you're actually uh, able to put away any sinful behavior or bad habits. Yeah. You know how you do it? Yeah, there's prayer, but I bet, I bet some of you haven't ever tried some of this. How about fasting? You know what fasting is? Saying yes to the Spirit of God and no to the flesh. You know what a spoiled brat is? You can't tell him no. When the moment you start telling your, your body no about food and no about TV and no about the phone, your body will scream and writhe and throw a temper tantrum like a two-year-old. But all of a sudden you'll learn, I know now there's a fight and I want the Holy Spirit to win. There is a battle going on and the battle is doable. You are free to mortify temptation. Um... I'll show you this. Go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. You're in uh, Ephesians. Go back to the left. Find Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Galatians 5, 24. They that are Christ, you belong to Christ. You have crucified your flesh with all the affections and lusts. When did I do that? When you got saved? You just didn't know it. You don't realize one one hundredth of what happened when you got born again. When you got born again, God took you and when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for you. He died in your place and you walk away a free man, a free woman. You are forgiven. So the moment you got saved, all of the affections for this world and all the lust died. Problem is, you sort of picked them back up thinking they weren't gone. You thought, well, maybe it's important to still go down to the pub. Maybe it's important for me still to listen to this music. And you were free. You were never freer than the moment you got saved. You already crucified the old you. Amen. Now you need to learn to do it every day. Look in verse, uh, go to the right after Ephesians is Philippians and Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Go back to verse 1, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you are resurrected, seek those things which are above now, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for ye are what? You're dead now, man. I mean, that, that life that you used to live is dead, and your life is now hid with Christ in God. These are all terms that maybe you just can't get your head around, but it's what God sees. When he looks at you, he doesn't see the old Tom Doherty. He sees the new Tom Doherty in Christ. Amen. You're dead and your life is now hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear anytime soon now, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So what do I do right now while I'm waiting for the rapture? Verse five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he listen, fornication. If you're living an ungodly relationship or an unmarried relationship, it's time to mortify it, put it to death and get married. Mortify fornication, uncleanness. Uncleanness is an ungodly way of life. Unclean thoughts, unclean life. You can right today say, I'm putting it to death. I'm putting it down. Inordinate affection, that's loving things you shouldn't love. You can do that. Evil concupiscence, that's just lust. You got a trouble with your eyes. You got trouble with your mind, constantly thinking about and visualizing and, and stuff that is sinful and lustful and pornographic. 
the Bible says, mortify it. You can. And covetousness, the last thing we ever think about mortifying is the ability to just be content. I need to, I need to mortify my discontentment, my covetousness. I have to have this to be happy. You need to say you're dead because it's idolatry. Verse 6, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That's coming on those who live that way. Verse 7, in the which ye also walk. That's how you lived sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also need to put off all these. What are they? Anger. You need to put that off. You need to put that to death. Wrath. Malice. That's planning. <laughs> planning how to hurt somebody. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And he goes on and on. He says, lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is Christ, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Uh, that's what a believer is, folks. Let me tell you. A believer has, a, has an enemy show up, and they do, temptation or memory or a trigger, and we can mortify it. We can put it to death with the sword of the Spirit. I wonder why the God gave us the Bible as a sword. I can defeat every temptation. That doesn't mean I live sinless, but no sin has dominion over me anymore. And when I fail, I can get right back up because that's the old me and he's gone. The new me keeps going and I just keep going. We are victors by that Holy Spirit. Look back there in Romans 8, 14 now. Still going on. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I just want to uh, point out there, to be led of the Spirit means to be influenced by Him, to be pulled, drawn by Him, to be restrained by Him, to be held back. I don't know if you've ever had it happen to you when, I don't know, something, you're, you're, you're about to lose your cool, you're about to say something you're going to regret, or you're about to look at something you shouldn't look at and the phone rings, or somebody walks in the room, or there's a voice that says, eh, eh. That's the Holy Spirit trying to restrain you. Amen. Convicts us. That's one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit is not to make you feel comfortable, make you feel guilty. So that you go, I don't want to do that anymore. The comfort comes in doing right. He restrains us. He teaches us. When we're led of the Holy Spirit, it means he's encouraging us. Wouldn't you rather follow somebody who believes in you than somebody who's criticizing you? He encourages us. He transforms us. He makes us more and more like Christ, and he even carries you. How, how you get up sometimes after you've been hit by the devil and hit by trauma and stuff like this, how you get up is only by him. He gets you up and he carries you from day to day. And you say, I don't know how I'm here, but it's by the Holy Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. Now, the question is this. Can you tell when the Holy Spirit's pulling on you? Look at that verse again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, even the illustration last week of the Pied Piper playing his flute. And first he pulled out the rats out of the city, and then when they didn't pay him, he took the kids. <laughs> and when he led them out, he hid them in a cave. And you know, the world used to lead us by the nose and lead us and lure us away from God. And I need to learn how to be led of the Spirit now and let him lead me out of that mess. I'll show you something here. Uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit is easily missed. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 9. 1 Kings in the Old Testament there. 19.9. This is Elijah. 1 Kings 19.9. And he, Elijah, came thither to a cave. And he lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you here? And he says back to the voice, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. He's really upset because, uh, if you remember, Jezebel had turned against him and was hunting him down, and he just wants to quit. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets. 
with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And now they seek my life to take it away. They start sucking his thumb. Verse 11. And he, the voice said, this is God speaking, go forth and stand upon the mount before me, before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. I don't know how. Just all of a sudden he appeared right there. And there was a great, strong wind. It rent the mountains. It was an earthquake. Break in pieces the rocks right in front of the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, there was a horrific earthquake. So at first, there was, I said earthquake, but it was, it was a wind like a tornado. And then after that was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, look at those four next words. A still, small voice. You know, what, you know what Elijah was looking for? He was looking for an earthquake. He was looking for a big, loud noise. He wanted God to be powerful. He wanted God to speak him booming loud. He wanted God to just show up and just show who's boss. And, and he wasn't there. But there was a still, small voice still speaking. Elijah almost missed it. You know, when it says a still voice, it means he's not always moving around. A still voice. He doesn't come at you from 15 different directions. You ever met somebody who's just fidgeting all the time? You know, that he can't sit still? You ever met anybody who just, you know, the Holy Spirit is a still, at rest, patient voice speaking. Right now, whether you like it or not, he's speaking to you patiently. Whatever I'm saying does not matter. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now through this book that matters. And he's speaking in a still voice. Small voice tells you it's a very quiet, not, not small like a little bitty, you know, leprechaun. But small meaning very quiet voice. But I want you to understand this is God's voice. When God wants to talk to you, he doesn't boom out of the ceiling. Doesn't boom out of the earthquake. He speaks to you with the quietest of voice. And you'll know his voice when you open the Bible. And the still, small voice resonates in your heart. Because that's where the voice is. If you try to go and hear, listen to voices, we need to go down to a doctor. <laughs> but if you spend time in the Bible and it begins to speak to you, that is that quiet, small, restful voice that's, way, that's right there speaking if you just listen to him. I just got to tell you, you got to get rid of all the noise in your life, though. You need to have times where you are, you actually switch off your phone, where you actually don't watch TV. We, I don't know how many of you get in the car and you turn on the radio. You come home, you turn on the TV. Uh, as soon as you get home, you start talking. Stop it and have quiet. Have a time where you ponder one verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 12, 1, help me that. How does it start? I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's me having a quiet time, no one else around, and I'm getting my heart in tune with heaven so heaven can talk to me. you got to have that. you got to have 30 minutes every day that you're not on your phone, that you're not with other people, that you're not talking and listening to all the talk shows and Joe Duffy. You have got to have some time where it's Jesus Christ and his word and his Holy Spirit because as we, Romans 8, 14 says, the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention, trying to pull you. And if you want to know if you're saved, you'll know it. He's pulling me in a whole different direction than I've ever wanted to go before. Because a Christian is led. If you're not led, are you a Christian? Or are you a rebel? Back to Romans. Back to Romans. I got to finish. We are the sons of God by that same spirit. Romans chapter 8. Again, 14 to 15. 
I mean, listen to these words. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's blasphemy. <laughs> to most people, how can you? What do you? I've been born again into the family of God. It's absolutely priceless what has happened. It's as if I am a son of Almighty God. I am a child of God. It is, I was a child of Bill and Barbara Ledbetter. Woo! But I'm now a son of God. I have, I have eternal life by my new parent, amen? My old parents gave me temporary life, but ooh, my new parent, mm, I want to be just like him. We are the sons and daughters of God by that same spirit. Look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again. You're not a slave to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I like that word adoption because it means we're wanted. You know, there are a lot of parents who have kids and they didn't want them. <laughs> but when God adopted Jews because he went after you, he wanted you. Amen. And he goes on and he describes, he says, uh, you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So uh, you ever worry about not being good enough for God? That's a waste of your time. You are in the family, and um, there is a closeness to God like an innocent child that just comes up to his father and says, Daddy, Daddy. You ever get too big for your britches where you get up and you say, Father, God in heaven, flowery words. You've wasted it. Daddy, Abba. It's okay to call him father, but talk to him like he cares. Cry out to him, pour your, cast all your care upon him like your dad. Amen. Because he is. That's what happened when, when the Holy Spirit in you, in you is actually driving you to cry out, Abba, Daddy. It's a Hebrew word, an Aramaic word, just means Daddy. Jesus even said it to his father when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? He said, Abba. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He used that very same word because the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 goes on and says, um, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I think you say, how can you say the Spirit of God? The Holy, How can you say you're saved? Because the Holy Spirit tells me I'm saved. Every time I read my Bible, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a de facto fact. Uh, uh, for by grace are you saved, not being saved, but are saved. Um, uh, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the Holy Spirit, every time I read my Bible, gives me assurance. Every time I pray, he says, you're okay. Because our best efforts, our good works, never assure us. You're never good enough. You know that. But God's Holy Spirit assures us you're no longer a sinner. You are a son or a daughter. He bears witness when he says, when he, when he says that he bears witness, it means we're in harmony. I mean, he and I agree. <laughs> That's unusual. Me and God don't always agree, but his Holy Spirit agrees with my spirit. I'm okay. I'm, I'm born of God. Now, if you constantly doubt your relationship with God and constantly wonder if you really are saved, there are two things. One, it's either because your own heart is condemning you, reminding you you've never believed, you've, you've just tried to be good enough. You're still trying to pray. You're still trying to be good. In your own heart, if you doubt your salvation, if you, if you live with doubts, I wonder if I'm saved, I wonder if I'm saved, it's because your heart is telling you you're not saved. But there's one other reason why a lot of people doubt their salvation. That's because you're spending so much time being confused by YouTubes and a zillion spiritual advisors instead of just believing the words of Scripture. And instead of just reading Romans, uh, John chapter 10, one of the greatest chapters on eternal security, over and over, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. If you want the gift of God, just take it. If you've already taken it, you're in. Amen. There's no, that's settled for the Christian. And that's the Holy Spirit assuring you. If it's another spirit, you need to switch it off. You need to move on. And lastly, maybe even bestly, verse 17 says this. And if we're children, 
then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let me read verse 18 as well. For I reckon <laughs> Paul was a good Texan. Either that or he's John Wayne, I don't know. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, whatever trauma you're going through, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about this. What does a Christian inherit? Look at that verse. If we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The truth is, I have everything that Jesus has. Somebody says, you don't own your own house. You don't even have a car. You don't even have a job. <laughs> you haven't seen my heavenly bank account. You haven't seen what God has bequeathed to me simply because I'm in the family. I have everything Jesus has. Amen. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have treasures in heaven looking. I'm looking forward to crowns. I have a, I, there, there, are, there is a kingdom ruling in the future kingdom of Christ that's for you if you want it. But there's a but. Verse 17 says, if so be that we suffer, not for him, but with him. Mm. Our inheritance, all of those marvelous things about heaven, not heaven itself, but the inheritance that's up there waiting for you is conditioned on suffering for Jesus' sake. You know, um, if you're, if you're, I could do a whole nother message on this, but if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ at work, if you're ashamed of being a Christian, if you're ashamed of the Bible, Jesus one day will be ashamed of you. You're going to get to heaven. The Lord's going to go, here comes Tom. You might know how he got in here. Anybody know? Oh, I know. Yeah, my grace. I know. I know. Hey, Tom, remember when you were, laughing with those guys at work and they made those filthy jokes and started mocking Jesus, mocking God and mocking the Bible. And you laughed along with them and you wouldn't open your mouth and say, I am one of those. I, I remember that. And that's not cool, Tom. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at another Tom. Okay. <laughs> Lord said, I, I got some, I had something for you. If you put up with that, maybe they'd make fun of you. Maybe they'd turn their back on you. Maybe they wouldn't take you to coffee or something like that but I had a reward for you and I'm ashamed to give it to you now. I'm sorry. It's not coming. And then there's this, and then there's this. I mean, you think of how long you've been saved and how many opportunities you've missed standing up for Jesus Christ. And then when you get to heaven by the grace of God and you stand there and Lord Jesus says, I wish you hadn't been ashamed of me. If you just put up with the suffering, if you just put up with being a Christian all that live godly shall suffer persecution. You want to miss persecution? Live ungodly. But if you do the right thing, people are going to make fun of you. People are going to fire you. People are going to ignore you. And Jesus said, but I'll make it up to you. We're heirs of God. I would rather have that inheritance than any inheritance my parents or grandparents may give me now. I've got an eternal inheritance in heaven. I don't have time. What have we learned? We've learned our nature is spiritual now. We are, what we do is driven by the Spirit of God and not by the world anymore. We owe it to follow the Holy Spirit, not the old life. We owe it to the Holy Spirit. We are victors by the Spirit, if you use the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you'll still sin, but you won't live as that way. And you'll live, instead of as, as a sinner, you'll live as a son in the family of God. We are led by the Spirit. That's... That's something that, that a Christian is. I am led by the Spirit of God. That's why I keep thinking of, of going soul winning. And that's why I keep, keep being convicted about not praying and not reading my Bible. Because there's a spirit inside of me drawing my spirit closer to God. We're led by the Spirit. We are the sons of God by the Holy Spirit. Not by our good works. Bible says... Uh, in John chapter 3, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that in you which is of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, and he said, you must be born again. You must be born of the spirit of God. It's a spiritual birth inside. I hope everyone in this room is born again. Makes you a child of God, and you're assured by the spirit. There, there ought to be no doubt in your mind. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're not 
then you're not and you ought to get saved. If there's doubt, you need to settle it. I can't imagine the torture of somebody going, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I pray every day. One of them has got to work. There's only the one that you believe where you finally say, I believe, I trust. I am a sinner. I am separated from you, but I trust you to save me now. Man, how can you not just from that moment say it's done? Because the Bible says it. We're assured. And you can have an inheritance if you want it. If you want, I think that's a pretty good deal. Amen. I think somebody says, oh, you, you have no fun as a Christian. Uh, you haven't seen fun. And you know what? As boring as this life may be, it's only going to get gooder. Can't wait for heaven. There's, my father's house is full of joy and dancing and music and singing and, and rejoicing and just eternal fun without any sin. Amen. You say, it sounds boring. It's not boring when you read the Bible. It's open-ended. You'll be able to do whatever you want to do for as long as you want to do it and never sin. I think that's a good deal. But it starts with you admitting you're a sinner and whatever deal you got from this world is a loser. It's lost. It's not, you don't, you don't owe it anything. So would you stand with me and bow your heads for just a moment? No one earns forgiveness from God. It's offered to you by grace. All you got to do is receive it by faith. Just take it. You ever done that? You ever just talked to God and said, okay, God, you win. I'll take Jesus Christ now. I'll believe him. I've always believed he's there, but I've never believed him here. I've never invited him in my heart. I've never made him my savior. And so I do now. You ever done that? You ever just talked to him? You don't know. This could be your only chance. You come to church every week. Amen. But you have no guarantee you'll be here next week. You have no guarantee any of us will be here next week. <laughs> you better get saved today. And dear Christian, if you are saved, you ought to live like it. You ought to live like you're led by the Spirit, not by the old man anymore. You ought to live full assured that you're a child of God and that what you worry about is no longer your soul, but other people's souls. So, Father, as we bow in prayer, I ask that you just help us. to, As we think on these things, we realize, wow, what you've given us is a life in the spirit instead of in the flesh anymore. Yeah, I'm still stuck in this bucket of bones. But I live in the spirit and I worship in the spirit. I think in the spirit. I love in the spirit. I give. And I want to do that instead of live in the flesh anymore. And when I do find myself living in the flesh, let me walk away as fast as can be. Let me mortify whatever the flesh throws up at me. Let me put it to death on the cross every time. That's where it belongs. Because I want to be close to Christ. I want to be walking in the spirit. And if there's anybody else in this room with that same desire, I pray we decide that's the way I'm going to live now from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's grab our hymnal 388.